the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good day and welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Lots to talk about in the world of finance. Interesting to note that um, it's impeachment time. It's like hammer time, but it's impeachment time. And this is going to be a big part of the news cycle that bleeds into the economy. One thing that works in Trump's favor is the economy is doing well right now. Huge. And I could see if the impeachment drags on and ultimately if the economy slows down that he'll start pointing fingers. That, hey, you guys should get back to Congress and stop picking on me. Because you'd um, be in jail. So I could see the media kind of bleeding the two together. I'm kind of warning you on that. Um, do I think 2020 – is going to be a very controversial year. I don't know. I'm just, I'm laying down the groundwork that this seems like it could be obvious, right? With that said, don't let it get to you. Don't let the bastards get you down. It's a line from the handmaid's tale, Margaret Atwood. Uh, and it, it sums up life pretty well for me. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, Google's getting into banking next year. Huh. Well, that's interesting, right? Nike is pulling their product from Amazon because they want to do the direct-to-consumer. If you haven't really got a good vibe for DTC as an investment thing, you should. Because everyone's trying to get direct to you at this point in time. Uh, that one-in-one relationship. Nike's going to stop selling its clothes and shoes directly to Amazon after years of resisting it launched Pilot in 2017 to sell a limited product assortment. Um, keep in mind that Nike CEO, along with Under Armour CEO, both stepped down recently, which was kind of weird timing for both big shoe guys to do that. But... uh 
Nike, they uh, picked up John Donahoe, former eBay CEO, as the sportswear's next CEO. They tapped him, so to speak. So that's kind of interesting to know because uh, obviously a lot of people bought third-party goods on eBay. And he comes to Nike and he goes, we don't want that Amazon relationship. That's one of the first things he's stamping on the company. Um, for, with that said, Nike's kind of want to – I want to say that – their apps have always been cutting edge, but I always seem to get their apps and then kind of lose them. So Nike now has an app that can like tell you what type, what size shoe you should be wearing because all the technology, all the technology that goes into an iPhone, it could probably put a man on the moon, but maybe the one of the most useful things you can do is get a proper foot measurement. Oh, Really? 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 I need one more, really. Really? Thank you. It's the only way I can let go and kill my obsessive compulsive. Google's getting into banking. This is worthy of note as well. Now, we could say the markets hit all-time highs yesterday. We've been doing that a little bit too much, and I don't want to turn into that show. Google plans to offer checking accounts next year. The project is named Cache. It's going to be run in conjunction with Citigroup and Stanford Federal Credit Union. What's interesting to note is Apple has a credit card and Google's going after checking accounts. You know that Robinhood and Credit Karma have high interest yields or you can get 1.8% on your cash. That's a high yield in this current market versus what you're going to get at Bank of America or uh, Wells Fargo or your local bank, so to speak. So we saw this go really, really, not I'm going to say bad, but in the 1990s, banks started offering brokerage services and brokerages started offering insurance services and insurance companies started offering banking services. Um, they all started, they, they legalized the ability to get into those markets and they took down some regulation barriers. So every now and then when you hear about a president who's deregulating you may go, oh, I get it. It's all about you know helping his friends in oil, you know, ruin the environment all for the sake of money. I, I know what the stigma is, right? In this case, in the financial deregulation, financial services deregulation back in the 90s, it, it really set up where we are today, more for less. Um, and it's interesting to know, like, at what point in time, if Apple's willing to have a banking, a credit relationship with you, where you could buy your next phone and finance it for 0% for 24 months. Or maybe they'll say, hey, let's put it on the credit card and let's see if we can't poke them for uh, you know, higher interest rates or something along those lines, right? How is Apple going to be making their money is the big question that you have to start asking. And how do you define them as a tech company? Because for the longest times, you looked at Apple as a computer and then an iPhone and an iPod kind of company, hardware. But now they've kind of crossed that line by doing Apple Music, Apple TV. They're a services company. <clears throat> but down the road, when they I'm not, I'm not gonna say they're gonna start offering banking, but like Uber's doing banking for their employees. Uber's doing banking for their employees, and Apple's getting into credit cards, and Google's getting into checking. Google still has power. I'm not gonna knock this one quickly. Uh, Google still owns the email world. Way more so. Then, uh, do you remember <laughs> Yahoo? Oh, the one that kills me. Every time I see an AOL email account, I'm just like, well, 
I, I, I'm going to blanket statement this and probably be right. I bet the person's 85 years old. You've got mail. So Cache, the company is going to become the latest Silicon Valley leader to try its hand in banking. Apple and Facebook faced obstacles with consumers growing increasingly skeptical over providing large tech companies with their personal information. Can you imagine the field day Congress would have if Facebook got into checking and then suddenly somehow, some way, shape, or form, one of your checks gets put into your ad feed? And what I mean by that, you wrote a check to say, like, uh, let's say you had a rough weekend in Tijuana and you had to go to the doctor to get some penicillin. And you write a uh, check to the doctor and the doctor is like, he's a doctor of uh, sexual diseases or vaccinations, uh, venereal diseases. And you're like, whoa, what, 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 wait, wait, that somehow do you have VD got into my ad feed in, in Facebook? Like. You don't want to go there, and Congress would love to go there because it makes for really good sound bites when Facebook makes mistakes. For years, banks have been encouraged about competition from small, nimble fintech companies. And I'll be honest, I, I think we got to watch out. I think you have to keep your eyes open to see what Google and Amazon and Apple and Facebook are trying to get into. I don't. I, I'm not a big conspiracy nut in any way, shape, or form, but. It is interesting to watch for me. Again, for you, eh, I don't know. One more thing about Apple, and for the record, I own shares of Apple. I heard an interesting an analyst call on them today. Basically, the analyst said the stock has could, has room to run because Apple has avenues into your life. Now, again, talking about Nike pulling away from Amazon and uh, Google getting into banking, but I think that's an interesting question. Nike saying it's decided to focus on its own direct sales business. I get it. And Apple's rated outperformed by RBC Capital because they've got avenues for deeper integration. That's what it was, integration into customers' lives. Oh, boy. I think uh, the writer got it wrong. It's not going to be Big Brother. It's going to be Big Neighbor. Um, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Big seminar coming up this Thursday in Berlingham. You can sign up for the event at robblackshow.com. Rob Black Show, use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. It's about income in retirement, wealth management in retirement, tax planning, efficiencies in retirement, and much, much more. You can sign up. It's coming up tomorrow. We're making financial sense of your portfolio now. Back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Things are evolving at a fast pace in the world of technology as we talk about Google's getting a federal inquiry triggered ultimately because they're collecting health data. On the same day we learn that, we also learn that they're going to start offering checking account. And I just got to scratch my head and say, this has got to make someone like CFP Chad Burton go crazy. He's going to be in uh, town doing the seminar Thursday evening, 630 to 830 on income and retirement, wealth preservation. Mr. Burton, um, thebalance.com just wrote an article that you want to chat a little bit about. What do we need to know about thebalance.com first and foremost on retirement? Oh, they, you know, they just write some pretty decent articles and things like that to check out. Um, and I just caught my eye this morning. It was just, you know, several questions that people tend to ask 
as they go into retirement. So a lot of people get to that 10-year mark, right? Oh, I think I can retire in 10 years. What do I do about it? And these are some of the common questions that people tend to ask. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of what... I know when do I take Social Security will be on the list, but I'm trying to think of the questions. But um, I will let you go over some of them with me because I, I feel like I'm going to miss them if I do it, and I don't want to go on record as not knowing. Oh, will I run I, out of money? actually... <laughs> right. No, that's the, the, you got the top two, right? Dead in a row. Oh. So the first one is when should I begin taking Social Security? And this one concerns me a little bit because that tells me that if that's the top of the list, that means that too many people are depending on it for a main part of their income in retirement. And that scares me a little bit. Now, obviously, that's not going to work out very well in the Bay Area where it's very expensive to live. But unfortunately, in a lot of the country, that's what people talk about. And there's so many tricks of the trade that have been taken away from us in terms of Social Security planning. And the, for example, the last trick that you can do, and it's not really a trick, it's just something that, you know, you don't, unless you do a little research, you don't know about. You would, both you and your spouse would have had to have been 62 by the end of 2015. And then you can do this thing where you play off one another's benefits called a restricted application. And so I'm talking to now a very small part of the listening population right now, right? that both yeah. would have been 62, both would have been earning income and earning Social Security benefits through their lifetime. And then they can kind of play off each other's benefits. And one spouse can take a spousal benefit and switch back to their own at age 70. So really, for most people now, Rob, it's how do you wait until 70 to take it? Because it's such an increase in monthly amounts till 70. If you think you're going to live past age 85 and and you, you know, you're concerned about longevity, you're concerned about where your money is earning interest because it's not much at the bank these days, then it's, can, do you have the ability to wait till age 70? Do you have other assets to live off of? Um, and if so, do you think you'll live past age 85? And that's kind of, you, it's some careful planning that you got to do. So with the Social Security, we can't fake our age and just write in a different age, right? And tell the Social Security I was born in 63, not 68. No, they're pretty good at knowing your age. <laughs> Just, uh, I'm trying to pull an evil Rob Black on you. Um, yeah, so the question's uh, Social Security. How long will your money last? What, what other ones should we hit? Yeah, the, the how long will your money last? We, we tend to get kind of two questions when people come in is something happened that forced them into retirement, right? Okay. Maybe, a, a, you know, say you're at HP and you yep. get an early retirement offer. And you kind of know you got to take it because something's going to happen. Your your job's probably going to go away anyway. And so they come in and say, okay, this is how much I have now. How much of it can I safely spend? And then they work backwards into a budget and see if if that's really, you know, is it viable? Is it going to be something that they can live with for the next 30 plus years? If not, then they need to go back to work and continue to save. Um, so that's one is how much can I spend? And if that's not a proper amount, then they try to go back to work. The okay. other one is, you know, how much can I withdraw on an annual basis? Um, it, I think, Rob, more people do not come in without a budget, without an idea or a list of their expenses. Um, and maybe mine's, part of it mine's is because, pretty rough. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. how, about, how about yours? I think you have a budget no, buster I mean, once or tw twice a year. Yeah, it's it's more like quarterly. I kind of go back and, and look at it, right? Okay. But it. as you get closer into retirement, you really got to drill down on it. Because there's certain things like property taxes that come once or twice a year and, and different things that kind of ebb and flow throughout the year. So you got to take a, a, a longer look at it. 
and say, okay, this is, this is my expenses. This is how much I'm going to pay in taxes when I take money out of my retirement accounts. And, um, you know, what percentage of that is in my overall portfolio? And it used to be pretty safe to say, well, as long as that's 4%, you know, you'd be okay in retirement. But that was when interest rates on bonds and was, you know, 4 to 6% versus 2% to 3%, right? And so now if that number at 65 is over like 3.5%, you're starting to get into some of the danger zone areas there. And ex- medical expenses have, have gone up a bit. Now, it's been a little bit less because we used to use 5 or 6%. The last couple of years, it's been like sub 4. So that's some good news. Uh, but it's really a matter of doing some careful planning and l- being able to look at something that projects your portfolio, your income, your taxes, and out over a long period of time uh, to, to be able to answer some of these questions. All good stuff. Um, let's talk a little bit more. What what questions should people be asking if a basic list from thebalance.com doesn't quite get it right? How would you refine that a little bit? Yeah, well, a couple of more that um, are on the, the main list that they have before I get into the other questions that people should be asking. You got about is, two minutes. Should I buy an annuity? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And most, 90% of those are Which bad. One? So you, you don't ever buy one for from a commission-based person. You take okay. the advice from a fee-only certified financial planner. Uh, should I take my pension as a lump sum? Because most of them, people are getting these offers from their pensions to be able to roll it out. So those are big ones that you have to really run present value formulas and and look at your life expectancy. But people should also be asking, and they don't, how much money should I convert from my IRA to a Roth each year? They just don't know that that's so important. How much safe money do I need? And what's going to make me happy in retirement? What is your life plan? You get into that cheesy life coaching scene where you really have to have a plan to get you out of bed and what's going to make you feel fulfilled or retirement's not going to be that great. It's interesting because I, I think I want to be a dog whisperer, a dog trainer. And I've sat on that for about six, seven months now. And, and the more I think about it, the less I want to do it. So I don't really know anymore, Chad. <laughs> I'm going to you know be lonely in retirement. With that, What Chad, did you uh, want to be in high school? When you were younger, what did you say you wanted to be? Oh, that's a good – maybe maybe an Italian chef. Maybe I'll go into like the chefery. Is that a word? <laughs> An Italian chef. I like it. Okay. Uh, we've got less than a minute. Do you want to plug the seminar or do you want more questions? Um, it would, you know, plugging the seminar is a good idea because it, it, we actually go over almost every single one of these questions. Um, this is the last live event for the year. It's very technical. It's, it's really specific examples on how to pull money out of various types of accounts in retirement to keep your taxes low because that's a huge fee in retirement. And with interest rates so low on fixed income and, and CDs, you've got to do everything you can to, to keep those costs down. Looking forward to hanging out with you tomorrow, Mr. Burton. Always a good presentation, retirement income and tax planning seminar. Thursday, November 14, 6.30 to 8.30, Doubletree Hotel. Retirement planning is more complicated than ever. Go to newfocusfinancial.com and use the code RADIO25 to sign up today. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Stocks have slipped today on concerns about trade war. Phase one not quite being delivered and signed yet. Where is it? Maybe potentially higher interest rates. The Fed has come out and said we're kind of on hold. And I got to imagine the market's taking a look over its shoulder every now and then and looking at CNBC and looking at CNN and watching a little bit of the impeachment thing going on and see if there's a bleed over. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com for a special Wednesday appearance. Mr. O'Hare, how are you? Hey, good morning, Rob. It's nice to be back with you. So I kind of stole your page one. Uh, phase one, not quite done. China is still playing with uh, setting the terms, uh, potential higher interest rates. It's still driving the market, still in our minds. Uh, I'll let you take it from here. Well, that's right. I mean, that's the latest report out of the Wall Street Journal that maybe, you know, uh, that the U.S. and China have sort of hit an impasse as it relates to uh, this plank of um, rolling back tariffs and phases. And, um, you know, China wants all of them rolled back reportedly. And uh, the U.S. apparently is uh, taking a position where, uh, where it be open to canceling the December 15th tariff that was uh, you know, plan to be implemented, but uh, but isn't so open to the idea of rolling back all of the prior tariffs only because those tariffs allow them allow the U.S. to maintain some leverage to ensure China's compliance with any agreement that comes out of this. So, um, you know, we've been down this road before. Obviously, um, a lot of uh, negotiations have been a lot of hype around the idea of you know reaching a a, a deal, and then you know, lo and behold, things kind of unravel at the end to uh, to water down. Uh, that hope. So I think, though, in general, when you look at how the market has reacted to this uh, seemingly negative-sounding headline, uh, you have to conclude, really, that the market still does believe that there will be a deal of some note uh, brokered before the election, anyway. Uh, so the market's not getting too caught up in in the latest headline or the possibility of um, you know of this phase one deal not coming to fruition, you know, right away. Uh, and it will cross that bridge when it actually hears that. Uh, but for the time being, it's kind of hanging in there pretty good, um, you know, knowing that it continues to get the benefit of, you know, very low interest rates and a, you know, and an accommodated Federal Reserve that sounds like uh, while it won't be cutting rates anytime soon, it's not going to be raising rates anytime soon either. Am I wrong to say that we should be paying a little bit of attention to the impeachment, or is it too soon? Will it? Do you think it bleeds into the market, or you don't know? I'm I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm, I something yeah, about impeachment's it, in my head. Well, I think it, it only becomes a real issue for the market when um, uh, you know when the Senate is seen as potentially flipping to uh, uh, to um, side with. You know, House Democrats, and uh, that seems to be a very, very unlikely possibility based on what is known at this point. And that's why the market has really just traded up and through all the impeachment uh, talk and hearings that are taking place right now, because uh, you know it is sort of adopting that mindset that while the House might go ahead and move forward with impeachment. Um, you know, the GOP-led Senate isn't giving any indication that it's going to go go ahead and, and follow suit. And so um, it's obviously a great political theater. Um, you cannot not, you know, uh, pay attention to it. But ultimately, the market is calling the shots here. And what it's saying is that this is not a big issue because uh, it's not going to lead to any um, – 
removal of office, and uh, and so that's just one one component that uh, is factoring into uh, the market's ability to uh, you know keep running to record highs here, uh, falling back on this notion again that it has the support of the Federal Reserve here with very low uh, interest rates. Has been good that cheap money. Uh, just saying, I, I would notice if it went away because. Uh, it's tied to, towards mortgages, and it's tied towards other things other than just business headlines and economic news. Um, how about inflation? I, I saw an inflationary report came out, and I'll be honest, it's started to slip. Like, I don't want to talk about it. It's not as easy to talk about to radio listeners as, say, an impeachment or China trade war. Right, you know, because in, inflation is one of those things where, um, where the you know the consumer price index, you know, might say at an aggregate level there's not a lot of inflation, you know, but for anyone who's you know dealing with you know medical expenses or uh, you know or housing costs and, and you know things like that uh, would would beg to differ. Um, so. So it can boil down to a very individualized situation in terms of just how impactful inflation rates are these days. But, you know, the market, um, again, knows that the Fed is, is looking at things in aggregate. And uh, the Consumer Price Index this morning uh, showed that prices were up, you know, somewhat in, in October and that you're starting to see a firming of those uh, inflation rates um, Core CPI, which excludes food and energy costs, uh, was up, um, you know, 2.3 percent year over year. But that, you know, that was down from 2.4 percent year over year in September. So, um, so it's not getting away from things. Uh, and the, the uh, total CPI uh, was up, I believe, only you know 1.7 percent. So, um, or 1.8 percent. So. So again, it's kind of falling in below that 2 percent target. Um, but something to point out to listeners here is that the Federal Reserve doesn't key off the consumer price index. Uh, It it keys off the PCE price index uh, as it relates to its inflation targeting and uh, the PCE price index, which allows for uh, what's called the substitution effect. So if, you know, prices of, say, beef go higher, uh, it allows for this adjustment that, you know, more consumers might be inclined to purchase less expensive pork products or something of that nature. And so um, that's what the Fed really keys off of. And, and those inflation rates continue to run below that 2% target. And we heard Fed Chair Powell say recently, of course, that uh, the Fed is not inclined to raise interest rates until it sees the inflation rate run above 2% on a persistent basis. So while the CPI data this morning uh, looked a little bit uh, eye-opening in terms of the inflation rate, uh, it, it, you know, the market kind of still looked through it. And actually, you look at the Treasury market as your guide there, uh, you know, long-end securities, the 10-year note actually improved following the release of that data point. So it, too, is not uh, looking too unduly concerned about inflation pressures getting away from us right now. So corporate earnings season, Mr. O'Hare at briefing.com, corporate earnings season seems to be wrapping up. Now we're moving into the holiday shopping season where a lot of business stories are tied towards the confidence of consumers and how much we're spending, if it's more, if it's less. Um, There's a little bit with the colder weather and maybe that slows down our economy, but what are you looking at right now for the last couple months of the year and that jump into the 2020, so to speak? Any big stories driving in your head? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, specifically, you know, this holiday selling season should be a pretty good one, all things considered. I mean, you still have low unemployment, and uh, and I think the retailers have got to be loving this really cold weather weather that's hitting a good part of the country right now because it helps them, you know, move that that winter merchandise and that seasonal merchandise perhaps a little bit earlier than even they were thinking they could move it. So so that's a good thing. But you know, I think ultimately that the you know the stock market. Probably set up for a good year end, assuming you know. And we talked about this, I think, the previous week, Rob. You know, assuming these trade issues don't turn into the Grinch who stole Christmas. And I would add on top of that that um, the, the developments in Hong Kong are starting to certainly um, you know step up a notch or two, which you know raises the, the specter of potentially you know China moving in to squelch those those protests, which which would create a whole new element of uncertainty for the market. So I think those are two risk factors here on the very you know near term horizon that could kind of spoil a year end rally effort. But but absent those developments, I think you have a market that's uh, obviously in good shape. Um, uh, good fundamental underpinning for the most part with low interest rates, you know, moderate inflation, and an expectation that you're going to see a pickup in earnings growth next year. And then, of course, you have a lot of uh, underperforming money managers who, you know, might uh, be compelled to, to chase this market uh, in a bid to catch up into year end. It's interesting you brought up Hong Kong because I'm not paying a lot of attention to it because China's kind of squashing what information is coming out about it. So I don't feel I got a good pulse on that. But you brought up something really, and it makes me smile and <clears throat> giggle about the work we do. Um, how does China handle Hong Kong if it gets crazy, like with a tank, and someone gets run over? That'll shut down the world economy pretty fast. Um, so we do have to pay attention to it. But I think China probably learned a lesson from Tiananmen Square, all things considered that the world was watching. So I don't know. Makes me makes me shake my head a little bit. Anything else that you're working on that we should chat about? Um, you know... Nothing in particular. Maybe looking at uh, kind of wrapping up the whole earnings reporting period here uh, for the third quarter. Uh, you know, came in better than expected, as it always does, and sort of maybe taking stock of that for the big picture column perhaps this week, and, and sort of uh, using it as a bridge to kind of this idea that the market uh, is is banking on low interest rates from the Fed, um, allowing some time to get to that period where you get better earnings growth in 2020 that continues to help support this bull market. So, might be uh, inclined to look at that here in the week ahead thanks very much it's patrick o'hare with briefing.com always good content insights in the market hopefully i didn't monopolize his time too much time there with you know asking my questions but briefing is a great source of information both domestically and internationally um, they draw from sources like bloomberg the new york times research reports that are influencing the day um, they've really built some really nice uh, angles into their business model, it, reporting on uh, conferences, for instance. Uh, I'm looking at briefing right now, and there's a J.P. Morgan Luxury and Brands conference. That wouldn't be a bad conference to go to, right? You know the swag you get when you go to a conference? If you go into a Luxury and Brands conference, you better have a good swag bag there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Big seminar coming up Thursday in Burlingame. That's tomorrow night. I hope to see you there. I'm going to make the trek to Burlingame and uh, talk a little bit about wealth preservation, income, and retirement, and much, much more. You can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Where's that? The fear of 
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I think we're trying to get you to retirement. That's the name of the game on this show. I don't want you to be in a bad situation. I know that sounds a little bit odd, but uh, since I don't know you, I just don't want you to be 55, 60 and saying, oh my, how did I get here? It happens, though, and I get it. I get questions from people who are 45 and they're angry at me. I talk about retirement a lot. I get people who are 50 and they regret not starting sooner. I get people that are 55 and have nothing that drop me emails. Every now and then I take uh, time off from this. When I do, I don't look at emails for a long time because they're depressing. If I were 55 and had nothing saved, first thing, first, you got to start with your budget. And then you have to look around in your budget and go, hmm, if my budget for lunch turned out last month that it was $20 because I was eating out at restaurants, $20 a day, I could probably figure out a way to eat for 2 or $3 a day, right? I could probably figure out money there. But that's not fun. It's not sexy. I'd rather talk about going to Costa Rica with you. I know if my budget had TV in it, that's one of the first things I have to kill. There's enough free uh, choices out there. And I would just have to say, okay, I don't need cutting-edge TV. Um, I would look at my, all my deductibles, and I would raise them, because you can save a lot of money if you raise your deductibles on your insurance costs. It's really interesting about insurance because I have insurance and I try not to use it unless it's truly something I can't afford to lose. So if I have a refrigerator that leaks a little water on the floor and it's just, it doesn't look great, but it's not awful. You can barely notice it, but I could make the claim and, you know, get a $5,000 new kitchen put in, new kitchen floor put in. I don't. I don't make a lot of claims on my insurance because I'm afraid it's going to raise my rates. If I was 55 and I had nothing, I would learn how to invest better. I'd be really, really smart, invest all my windfalls and all my raises straight into my retirement plan. If you have a retirement plan, I would start going, cut your kid off. Sorry, I'm not doing Christmas this year. I'm 55 and I have nothing and I have to save money. Um, if your kid lives with you and doesn't pay rent, have them start paying rent because you're running out of time while they still have plenty of it. It sucks when you start putting it in terms like this, right? Cancel Christmas. Did he just say cancel Christmas? Arctic cold blamed for the death of four people. It's so interesting. (laughs) Working in California. I remember you kind of get acclimated to the weather a lot easier on the East Coast, but in the West Coast, it's the only area that I've ever been in that it's cold in the morning, i.e. you have to heat the seats in your car, in the afternoon you have to run air conditioning. It's bizarre. Uh, Whereas on the East Coast, it's just 30 degrees all day long. So you know you're going to be cold if you're outside. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Big seminar coming up tomorrow night, Thursday. 
I hope to see you there, 630 to 830. It's in game at the Doubletree. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com and use code RADIO25 to get in for free. Um, Google's getting into banking. And Google's gotten in a lot of trouble in the past on how they share information because a lot of their products look like they're free, but they're big data machines, which, again, I get it. I'm, I'm not, not, I get free email. They're allowed to mine my data as much as they want. If I want to pay for my email, then I want some privacy. I know you're saying, that's not how it works, Rob. <laughs> I get it. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, PayPal CEO is at a conference right now. And he's talking about, in his speech, keynote, he says, people may be predicting a recession, but we're not seeing it in the numbers. He says, in the U.S., consumer spend is still strong for the next year or so. We're pretty bullish about, in general, the economy. Um, with that being said, he has to like put like caveats, right? Like Brexit, U.S.-China trade war, 2020 election. It could break any one of in a number of ways as far as consumer confidence and spending goes. But that's kind of nice to hear PayPal CEO come out and say that. That should give you a little bit. If Visa came out and said the same thing, like suddenly like, we're covered on this one. We got this. Fed Chairman Powell said he's not going to raise interest rates um, anytime soon. So he's starting to say he's unlikely to change for as long as growth continues. So if the data shows growth, he's not going to. And it's interesting because Donald Trump's out there right now saying, we've got the greatest economy in the world. We need to lower interest rates. That doesn't really quite jive, Donald. Doesn't really work that way. Um, now, you could say that he's trying to get ahead of a slowdown by stimulating. But you could also get, a, you could start creating inflation by doing that. And that's not necessarily what you want. Open enrollment for workplace benefits almost over. Those are important um, again, depends on how much you want to save with your health insurance. Average annual family premiums for employer-sponsored health insurance rose 5% this year. So that's a big one. Do you want to go with a health savings account and kind of fund your own health care? Uh, you got to start thinking about future health care costs. There's a lot of benefits that are voluntary. Uh, elder care. Um if your parents needed it, you may want to consider it. I'll start with a simple softball question like that. Student loan repayment, mental health assistance, pet insurance. There's a lot of benefits your companies will give you choices uh, because they want you ultimately, they know that 70% of us own a pet and those fees on pet insurance are annoying, but not having it is even worse if you have an active dog, in my opinion. Silverberger Rise of Pretty actually never mentioned on the show. Uh, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Big seminar tomorrow night in Burlingame. Learn more at robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.